I still have to sleep because I have work at night. And then, of course, that will also translate to one's commitment and say, even if I still have to go attend the kids' parent-teacher conference in the morning, I still can, you know, go back to report at night on time without any downtime. Welcome to the 7 Figure Freedom Podcast, where ambitious CEOs turn to transition from being the doer of the business to being the leader of the empire. I'm Madeline White Silva. I'll share my real-life struggles and breakthroughs as I've scaled my businesses and grown a team that run the day-to-day without me, so that now I run my seven-figure business on three-day work weeks. Join our community of visionary entrepreneurs and transformational leaders as we create lasting impact, financial freedom, and an awesome, rewarding life with a powerhouse team by your side. Hello there, visionaries. Today, I have a treat for you because I've invited two of my key team members on my team, Leona, who is my operations managers. We've been working together and collaborating together for the last 11 years. So we know each other really well. And she's been stepping in as the operations manager here at the Hello 7 Figure Freedom. And then Mel, who is our program director, she manages a lot of our installations and deliverables to our clients and manages the team and also do a tremendous amount of recruiting for our clients. And she's been a game changer to have Mel on my team because as a CEO, as you may know, finding the right people to work for you can be really hard and stressful. And to know that at any moment in time, I can come to Mel and said, hey, we need such and such a talent and she'll go and find them for me has been amazing and such a relief. So I invited Mel and Leona here because I want to talk to you guys a little bit more about hiring VAs in the Philippines, which is something that we love to do over here. It's been a game changer for my business. And if you listen to my other podcasts, you'll hear it over and over again. And kind of my own journey with hiring in the Philippines. And also shed some light into some of the myths and the misconceptions that I find that a lot of US CEOs have when it comes to hiring VAs in the Philippines. And we call them VAs. I just want to clarify something. So this is a little bit of a cultural piece. So we call everybody who are working remotely in the Philippines VAs. So not just your typical virtual assistant positions. So this is a little bit of a cultural thing that happens that I want to just clarify for you. So welcome, Mel, and welcome, Leona. I'm so excited you guys are here. Hi, Mad. Hi, Mel. Hi. Thank you, Mad, for that sweet intro. Yeah, you're so welcome. So let's just dive in. So what are some of the common misconceptions that U.S. CEOs have about hiring team members in the Philippines? So I think I'll start on that. One of the common questions that we get, especially when thinking of hiring people, virtual assistants from the Philippines would be like, will there be challenges in communicating with people from our country, right? Will there be gaps in communicating or relaying instructions over, especially for folks in maybe a different industry than what we have been used to or have worked with before? Another one would be the time difference, especially because, as you know, we're on the other side of the world with a 12, 16 hour difference for business owners who are maybe located in anywhere in the U.S. We've been also asked to say, is it okay if we can go to national report during our night? So nighttime or in the wee hours of the morning here in the Philippines. And one of the other most common questions that we get is that will I or will the CEO will be able to 
replace or find someone in the Philippines with a specialized skill set to replace or to actually fill in that role within the business, which is done by someone in the U.S. or somewhere outside of the team. So those are, I think, the most common questions that we get when we do those profilings for a client. Yeah, so I'm hearing one is time difference, right? So how do we manage time difference and people working in the middle of the night or not being able to reach a team when you actually need them? And I'm also hearing that, can I replace anybody on my team with the VA in the Philippines? Is like, is that possible? Is Does that even exist? Is that a possibility? And what was the third one? The third one was, oh, how do I communicate with people in a different culture or different industry who have different backgrounds than I do? And how am I going to fit them into my company? Those are great. I think those are all super accurate. What about you, Leona? Do you have any more to add in? Yeah, so just to add to what Mel said, common misconception that I was hearing is that, you know, the fear of risking data and data security and privacy, I'd say that data security breaches can happen everywhere or anywhere, even you don't outsource, right? And then another one is that we can only do admin tasks, like, you know, setting up your calendars or setting up your meetings. Well, I'd say I totally disagree to that because, you know, we even here at H7FF, we've hired bookkeepers, we've hired graphic designers, and we've hired a really good copywriters and techs, right? So it's not just about admin tasks that, you know, we take notes and, you know, we set up CEO's calendars and everything. I mean, we can do a lot of things. Right. They skill people everywhere in the world, people, right? Like the, that's the reality of it. They skill people everywhere. And it's about finding talent everywhere. And back in the day, I actually started hiring VAs in the Philippines when I had an insurance billing company, which is incredibly protected. We have HIPAA laws. It's also privacy laws. And of course, dealing with other people's money because we were collecting money from insurance companies for these doctors and sending them and handling a lot of the finances. And we had a whole team in the Philippines supporting those processes and running that for the company with the right procedures in place and the right security in place seamlessly. So these are a lot of the common misconceptions that people come to us. And the whole idea that you can only hire VAs to do admin tasks, you know, the typical sending emails or maybe help out a little bit with you Infusionsoft or whatever that might be, or social media posting is not a common one. But it's true, you know, we have found, we have replaced many six-figure earners in the U.S. with VAs in the Philippines for very skilled but very specific job descriptions, such as full stack IT technicians, people specializing in different technology on the back end, building out full on membership sites and e-commerce sites, people doing all the bookkeeping and tax filing for companies in the U.S., operations manager, integrators, project managers, program directors, and like Leona said, copywriters, graphic designers, you know, and really amazing skilled people. So those are a lot of the common misconceptions, right, that we see floating around. And the other piece that I would also say that I find just kind of cute and funny a lot of times is that we'll have clients now and again step into our business and they are very leery of hiring people in the Philippines and nervous about it. And they are not sure they're going to be able to find good people. And I think this really stems from CEOs here in the U.S., feeling like they can't find good people in the U.S., 
paying X dollar amount, you know, 15, 20, 25, 35, $40 even, right? It can be really hard to find really good workers that are going to do the job the way you want it done. And to imagine that you're going to be able to pay somebody in the Philippines to fill those roles and do a good job feels really risky. And usually they hang around us for a little bit and they see how my team is delivering on our services here. And then a few months later, they come back to us and they totally shifted their perspective because they see the deliverability and the commitment and the dedication and the professionalism that my team brings to the table. And so that's the other thing, you know, just reality of seeing that firsthand will change people's perspective. But the other thing that I think makes a lot of CEOs a little nervous is just the hourly rate, right? I remember when I first started hiring in the Philippines 11 years ago, I was shocked. I was sitting at a lunch, not a lunch, but a lunch with a good friend, a colleague. And he told me that he was paying his full-time business manager $800 a month to do the job. Now, I had interacted with her. So I knew that she was freaking brilliant. She was amazing. I'm talking about Vix, by the way, which Leona knows. Peter <laughs> came to work with us because she was so good. And my jaw just dropped. I was like, what? Because at the time I was hiring barbers and cocktail waitresses and I was paying them $15, $17, $20 an hour. And it was really hard. And there was a lot of drama and a lot of mistakes. And, you know, people just trying to figure out their life in their 20s and not having a lot of professional experience. And so shifting my whole workforce over to the Philippines was a total game changer for me because I was able to hire people who were in their 30s, who had college degrees, who had a lot of professional experience and showed up in a completely different manner working for me and my company. So this question comes down to then, so what is considered a good hourly rate if you are working, let's say, in a call center in the Philippines, which is considered a pretty good job, right? If you are working in a call center in the Philippines, yep. which is what a lot of the people coming into the U.S. market started off their careers because they require English speaking people with very good English skills. So that's a lot of the people come out of the call centers into the virtual assisting world and start supporting American companies. So curious, Leona, what is considered like a good hourly rate working for a call center? I'd say that would be around like, let's say five to eight dollars per hour. That's a pretty decent rate for us. Yeah. And is that somebody who has had a college degree? Yes. Somebody who has a college degree, they speak really good English. They maybe have some other professional jobs before that, like not just starting out, like it's not an entry-level job working in a call center. Is that true? That's true. You know, in a call center, I worked for a call center like for around 10 years. Yeah. And you will meet doctors, lawyers, nurses in there. And they left their professional jobs to be in a call center during those times because the contact centers or BPO, as we call it, really blooms during those. I think that's around beginning of 2000. Yeah. And when you work in a call center, you have to travel, right? From your home, you have to commute. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So including your traffic, 
by the way, the traffic here in Manila is horrible. It's like two hours going to the office and two hours going home. So that's like four hours. And then, yeah, we commute using buses or I'm not sure if you're familiar with jeepneys. That is totally Filipino. So those little, dusty. little cars that somebody is biking and you're sitting in the back. Is that what you mean? No, it's like customized cheap car, right? And then inside you have like around maybe 20 people. Okay. So, so like minivans that kind of take you around the city, but it's still like a two hour commute. And you're still working nighttime, right? Yes. I was working nighttime. And then when I got pregnant, I started working on a daytime. But usually the client for the daytime, day shift is Australian, Europeans. Yeah, because that's closest to our time zone. Right, right. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we're talking 5 to $8 an hour, you college graduate, and we're talking lawyers, doctors, leaving their professional careers to get into this, get these jobs because they consider really good jobs and better paid and better flexibility. Well, yeah, yeah. probably not that much flexibility, but you work in nighttime. And what would be considered like if you working in a, like maybe in an office job, were you working as doing some admin work or maybe even doing some business operations work? What would be your pay rate in the Philippines Consider like pretty decent pay? What do you think, Mel? When referring to like, we have labor guidelines around that, right? For the employment here in the Philippines. $3 an hour USD, that would actually be comfortable already and would be able to support like the cost of living here for us and also will be aligned to the labor law. But of course, that's here in the Philippines context. Even for doing admin and even for like management and leadership roles for corporate offices in the Philippines and not just BPOs or call centers, right? That to $10 per hour range would actually be those for the senior members like with even seven, 10 years under their belt of experience. So I'm just ranging over from that pay range, depending on whether there's like a specialized requirement or skill set for that role. But then again, that revolves around that range of like three to 10 per hour would really be number one, we'd be able to support you and your family. Number two will still allow you or empower you to take on, you know, mini vacations like we have many islands here, you know, take quick weekend trips for the family and, you know, just take a day or two to chill off and then also be able to go ahead and actually support your future plans. Yeah, that's amazing. Right. And the reason we're talking about the salary and the way I'm asking about this is because one of the common things that I hear from the CEOs that we are working with is like, oh my God, how can I ever find somebody good at that rate? Number one. And number two, I feel bad paying somebody that hourly rate. Like it's not high enough. And I think that cost of living is something to really take into account and really consider, right, what the cost of living is in the Philippines. And the rate that we pay most of our VAs ranges between eight is generally the lowest. And then we go up from there and it goes up to about 20, 25. And that's kind of the range for the most of the roles that we hire for. So you can imagine that it starts at the high end of what somebody could get paid in the Philippines and then really provide an incredible working environment. So let's talk a little bit about this thing about working in the middle of the night, because I think for Americans, this is very foreign, this whole graveyard shift, you know, and feels kind of brutal, you know, because we're not used to that. And what I hear so much from you guys is that you actually prefer a working night. So tell me a little bit about why that is. I'll go first. <laughs> Personally, since I've been doing this for like, what, around 18 years in total or nine, 19 years? Oh my God. 
So I'm really a night owl, you know. During nighttime, I can function more. My brain is functioning more. The place is quiet. My kids are sleeping. So those are the reasons I can work better during nighttime. It doesn't mean that, you know, I don't take care of myself because I still drink, you know, vitamins, water and supplements to support it. Because right now, to be honest, the community of freelancers here in the Philippines are, you know, 50% that we need to work during daytime. And then the other half is like, no, we want that night shift. So there's like a constant argument inside the groups or, you know, the community that we should be working during daytime, you know, because of the health reasons. But again, for me, I mean, this is still your personal preference and I'm still going to go with the nighttime. I'll choose it anytime in the day. Yeah. And so how do you fit in time with your family and be with your kids and like... And where do you sleep? <laughs> you know, most importantly. <laughs> you know, during daytime, they are in school. And that's the time I'm sleeping, right? And then when I wake up in the afternoon, they came from school, we're going to have dinner, you know, so I can still, you know, help them with their assignments and tuck them into their beds and all. So I'm always here, like every day. So it doesn't matter, you know, for me. And it's really important that I get to spend time with them compared to like, I'm working on day shift, but I need to go out every day from Monday to Friday, eight to five. I'm out plus the traffic time, travel time. So Right. So, Two hours yeah. in the morning. So like if you need to be at work at eight, you leave it at 6 a.m. You work till five. Right. You don't get home until seven, seven thirty. And then you have dinner and then you go to, I mean, like basically that's yeah. two hours at the end of the day. Exactly. Yeah. And sometimes, you know. I'm out at five. I can get home like around eight. Yeah, it's not even like seven. Sometimes it's eight or nine, depending on the traffic. So that's the reason. Yeah. So working from home basically gives you back four to seven hours a day. Exactly. Yeah, that's correct. And also for like working during the night, I'd add that it also allows us to, you know, go run to the bank, do some quick grocery runs during the day, because of course, that's the time that everything everywhere is open, right? Oh, that's but a good it one. won't actually allow us to, you know, miss like two hours of work because I need to go fall in line for something at the government office or right. So it will, as Leon had said, it will really ask you to make some adjustments and it will probably a couple of weeks and months here and there to let you settle in in terms of that body clock adjustment, right? But I'd also say that it will really call for one's discipline to, of course, oh, I don't have to work during the daytime. I'll spend all my day, you know, chilling at the mall and then work at the night. No, but that's where you actually go ahead and have to strike a balance and say, I still have to sleep because I have work at night. And then, of course, that will also translate to one's commitment and say, even if I still have to go attend the kids' parent-teacher conference in the morning, I still can, you know, go back to report at night on time without any downtime. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a big deal, right? So right now, you can get my super simple team assessment process that helps me evaluate my current team, identify if I need to hire somebody else, what kind of training my team members need, who is worth investing in, and who needs to be more challenged to grow with a company, and really turning those less than motivated team members into productive, valuating, value-adding team players. It's an on-demand five-part video series that will walk you through the whole process. It's totally free. And you can find it at hello7figurefreedom.com team-assessment-video-series. 
We'll make sure to add the link in the show notes and let me know. Yeah. And then you're also home with your kids because you got four kids, right, Mel? Yes. Total game changer for me. Em, keep on, you know, teasing the kids and say, asking, hey, what if I go back to the office, like in office mm-hmm. setup? And they say, no, even if they, I don't technically get to sleep with them during the night, but they won't and I won't ever <laughs> swap this experience out. It wasn't really a hard decision for me to make because I've been in the corporate world too for like 18 years before switching over to freelancing setup I will again it wasn't a hard decision to make and well you will not see my name attached to any corporate office here in the Philippines probably in the next 20 years right <laughs> well you know I'm gonna keep you forever and, I also and that's you of course you know like so here's another little language piece or cultural piece I just want to kind of tell the listeners about so the VAs in the Philippines we call them VAs no matter what role they have that's just virtual assistants. doesn't mean that they do necessarily the admin tasks. They do any role is considered a virtual assistant. The other thing, they oftentimes refer themselves to the freelancers. And like Mel just did. Mel is full-time employed by me. And she does not have time for extra jobs. It's not like she's freelancing, you know, changing jobs here and there, working with a bunch of different companies. They will also often refer to the companies that they work for as clients, So these are just little language pieces. So we might think about this differently, more like a freelancer or an independent contractor here in the U.S. who is jumping around and maybe having split focus and working with different companies and different clients. This is just languaging that they're utilizing. Both Leona and Mel has been with me full time for quite some time. And just to clarify, and why do you prefer working for with a U.S. based company? What's the preference around that? Coming from my experience to M, it really allows me to learn more about, you know, how people think and not just learning about how to do work, whether it be like with us, setting up systems and foundations or digital marketing or e-commerce or whatever that industry, right? But it really allows me to, especially when working with you, because you're very generous, thank you, and, you know, lending your knowledge and sharing your expertise and allowing us to learn from them. But it really allows me to open my mind and be able to explore how other people would think and learn from it. Not that I'm planning to also, I don't know, soon maybe in the future, like open up my own business here to in the Philippines. That's not yet in the plan, but allows me to learn and, you know, see how things other people will think through things, especially when you're the one who's managing and bringing up people up into your business and dealing with the clients. And I think going back to what Leona said about the BPO or the contact center industry being like a huge economic driver here in the Philippines the past few decades, right? It allowed us to really open up how we should interact with Americans or any other clients, right? Or customers, that is. But in terms of working with you, like an independent contractor (laughs) and us learning directly from you, it would really allow us to clearly understand how you would like to drive the business, how to move forward and how you would want us to represent you and the business when you know, dealing with clients, talking to team members or vendors and et cetera. So I think that allows us to have that direct, no multiple layers of confusion in between, especially in like the corporate in-office setup that we have here, typically in the Philippines where you have a manager and then multiple layers of manager there. So I think that's what I really have enjoyed working with you and, you know, for US-based companies. That's awesome. Yeah. What about you, Leona? be honest. (laughs) My answer is really simple. There's not a lot of drama. You know, like 
It's very, very direct. The experience and the growth is faster compared to our setting, local settings in here. And yeah. 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 We, you and I, we, we partner in that. We're not much for drama. <laughs> yes. Really that time for that. That's awesome. Yeah. And have either one of you worked for agencies that hire you out to different companies to work for, for the companies that they, because there's lots of virtual assistant companies, right? In that hires Filipino workers, and then they promote their workforce to mm-hmm. American companies. And people oftentimes, I, that's how I started out hiring. My first VAs was through an agency where I paid the agency and the VAs that I hired were actually employees of the agency. And then they worked for me, but I got an invoice every month and I paid the agency, the company that they worked for. Have either one of you worked for a company like that? Yeah, I remember I was part of that agency. That I about. <laughs> I remember that. And then you told us we need like a win-win situation in here. Yeah. Yeah, situation. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, because here's the thing, right? What I've noticed with agencies is that they are looking for their own profit margin. When they are sourcing VAs in the Philippines, they are oftentimes hiring them at the three to four hour range mm-hmm. and paying them very little and then charging US companies maybe $15 or even $20 an hour for that work that they're providing. And that's a very big difference in cost and preferences and all of that. And the other thing that I didn't like about that is that my team members, I wanted to have a team within my company where I could build my company culture and we are creating a joint experience, which was tricky when some of my workforce was employed by another company that had their own meetings and their own agendas and their own things that they were really pushing. And so being able to bring my team in-house. So this is how we do all our recruiting. All of our team members are hired directly by us. When we recruit for our clients, we always recruit directly and then, you know, have a direct relationship and really integrate the team members into the company culture. So they're not just, you know, the people in the Philippines, you know, the kind of the invisible people over there doing some work on the cover, you know, like they actually (laughs) show up at our team meetings, show up at our team trainings and a part of the experience that we are creating together. And I also feel that promotes a sense of loyalty because you feel that you're part of the company from the day one, from day one, right? And I think it leads to much greater retention, both for the VA and the client. Yeah. And we have had some new hires, right, recently because we have grown really fast. And I think both our two last hires, Anne and Hayes, have been glowing reviews about stepping into our company culture, right? Totally different experience. Can you share a little bit about what they have shared with you and what you think is the biggest difference of stepping in working with us and how we set up company cultures? So speaking with Anne and Hayes, just really coming up from that, like our first quote-unquote meeting of the year, stepping into 2023 and planning for the year and you sharing the goals, right? So they were really, really happy and surprised at the same time that saying that this is actually their first experience of them, of you actually allowing them to learn and stepping into that discussion of, hey, this is my plan and this is how I plan to also share the winnings of the company by winnings, not just, you know, the dollars and the revenue or the bonuses, right? But just, you know, enabling the team, like having 
doing evaluations here? What would be your zone of genius? And which do you prefer if there's any area of the business or support would you want to work in? So they were saying that, again, this is the first time that I was able to join a team meeting, even just, you know, in addition to that weekly team meeting that we have, first time that they've had an experience where the CEO was talking about bonuses and evaluations and how the business would actually grow throughout the rest of the years and the coming years. So typically when working with an agency, just folding into that question earlier, we don't necessarily hear that from the client because again, that's probably just kept in-house. And if hired through an agency, you'd probably just get, okay, here are your tasks or projects for the day, for the week, for the month. But then you won't have an understanding or an alignment as to where does this fit in into the goals of Madeline Weick's team or the business, right? So I think that's also one key difference that we appreciate, not just here in our team, but also overall. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, so what Mel is referring to is that we had a team meeting early on this year, our first team meeting, team training, which we do every Tuesday. I introduced our new bonus structure and races, which is based on number one, company performance, overall company performance and profit margins, and also on the team individual, team members' individual performance within the company and the KPIs that they uphold. And we give back a percentage between three to 8% of their yearly salary in quarterly bonuses. And then we also have individual races once a year based on on how they're showing up on their performance reviews. So these, this is something that we just implemented this year, something that we've been cooking up and behind the scenes, Leona and I have been working on it for a while and finally rolled it out to the team members. So it's been really fun. And what are some of the mistakes that you think U.S. CEOs make when hiring VAs from the Philippines? What do you think, Leona? I think it's one thing, a jack of all trades, like in one person, you know. That is why here, right, we create deep, narrow job descriptions because it's very specific skill for each person, right? It doesn't mean that we're saying we can learn a lot of things that we should do all the things in the company. So I think it's like if the CEO wanted to hire a tech VA and she or he also want that tech VA to be, for example, a social media person or graphic designer, you know? I mean, that's not going to happen or that's not going to be very efficient for the company. I think that's one. Yeah, that's a big one. Yeah, <laughs> right. This whole idea that somebody who can do copywriting and graphic design is also really good at keeping doing the tech on the back end, right? Like this kind of raw job descriptions usually fail big time. And what about you, Mel? What do you think is some other mistakes? I think this is not just really on like hiring from the Philippines, but assistants are generally everywhere, right? But specifically if just randomly assigning tasks, folding into, you know, not deep down the job descriptions. But again, we, whatever support and help is needed to get the job done for the day is there. If someone steps out, we are there to help out. But just also throwing things at random every week or every so often, right? That would also throw off the virtual assistant or the team member, right? So I think one key there for us to always remember is that ideally we would want to keep everything aligned based on that job description that we have crafted based on the skill set or the experience of the team member and then work from there. Again, if there are other areas that need support, maybe the CEO or the manager management team would actually need to review how the team assignments and tasks and roles were going to be mapped out. So I think just making sure that hopefully everyone operates at 
where and what they do best. And that would enable the team member and, you know, help them succeed at what they do. Yeah, right. So not just throwing random tasks at random team members, depending on what needs to get done on any given day. You know, this is what happens, right? When we are super stressed out and overwhelmed as CEOs, then we have too many things on our plate and we need help. We sometimes just start throwing things at people and hoping that they can catch the ball and run with it. But, you know, more often than not, those balls fall on the ground and bounce away from us and probably create some ripple effects from that. And it's hard for the team, which is what Mel is just talking about, right? It's hard for the team to be effective at the task that you've given them if they're constantly having to change roles and change what they're going to do. And they don't really know day to day what they're supposed to deliver for you. So, yeah, big deal. And what do you wish that U.S. CEOs knew about you, your culture, and hiring VAs in the Philippines? For me, I really want them. It's more about them knowing and realizing the work ethics that we have as Filipinos. Because we mainly, and this is also based on the, like when we do hiring, Mel and I are mostly doing initial interviews like every week, right? And we usually ask applicants what are their work ethics. And this is also for me personally, we wish that or we want the CEOs to know that we as Filipino VAs are very respectful. We are very motivated. We're going to jump in the middle of the night or in the day or whenever we can bring our laptops in our vacation, you know, because we are really committed to our jobs. Right. And yeah. We have a lot of ideas that we think or we can contribute to the growth of the company. So again, it's not just about like sending emails, you know, the canned emails or the drafted emails. We know that we can contribute or we can give ideas, we can give suggestions to our CEOs. Right. You can make strategic decisions, drive the growth of the company. You can build out the operations. You can participate at a much bigger level and you're willing to go the distance no matter what. Yes. And one more, Mad, we really perform under pressure. Yes, yes. I would say that like I find, well, you know, both of you guys, you guys are just like when there's a lot of pressure in our company, which happens in every business, right? We always go through that. When there's moments of high pressure, I find you guys just get quiet. And I get the sense, you know, it's like when you're paddling on the water really fast because you're trying to stay afloat, you know, like you're paddling faster and faster. But like above water, you guys have just like quiet, focused. (laughs) professional, like there's no crazy outburst or anything like that. You guys are just paddling faster underneath, you know? (laughs) So I think that's so true. What about you, Mel? What do you feel like US CEOs need to know about you and your culture and hiring VAs in the Philippines? Yeah, I'm going to add to what Leona said about being resourceful, just on top of being committed and, you know, being, you know, staying on top of things, even under pressure. So just being resourceful. I know everyone would say I'm an output-oriented or solutions-based person and I can bring value. That's the value I can bring into the table. But specifically for us, we find ways to get things done and not just, and I'm just going to clear it out there, you know, just going behind licenses or agreements and whatnot, not that finding ways, right? But, you know, if there's a problem, we get deep down and really identify where we can jump in and really get to the output still. And if there's no way for us to get to that output or to that goal identified, we then find for alternatives. 
thankful to what we call here as Dr. Google and YouTube University, right? But again, what we hear for us Filipinos, the value of us, you know, just trying to always finding means to keep moving forward. I think that's what we have to also, that's what we can bring into the table. Yeah, you know, I think that I was talking, I was actually on a podcast interview with Workplay Branding, our branding company. They have a really awesome podcast called CEO Shit, it's called. Because, you know, all those oh shit moments that you run into as a CEO. And we were talking about, you know, the nightmare stories. And one thing that we were talking about was just the quiet quitters of American culture. A lot of workers are quietly quitting, actually not putting in the time and energy to actually deliver work, but are still collecting a paycheck. And that would never happen with any of my VAs from the Philippines. I just never had that happen. And when I get asked why I hire in the Philippines, to me, it's about a culture fit. It's a culture fit for me on so many levels. So I come from Europe. I grew up in a small business. My dad had his own company. And I've always been an entrepreneur. And it's always been my mindset that I'm going to work no matter what and put my energy into it. And when I came to America and started hiring here, one, I wasn't able to hire very professional people or college educated or people who had higher skill set because I just was at the bottom of the job market here in the U.S. as what I could afford for my small business, which I think is really common for small business owners. Either we hiring really bottom of the barrel or we hiring a little bit higher up, maybe somewhere close to the bottom, maybe complete bottom. But then we end up not being able to hire as many people as we actually need on our team in order to get the job done. So we're constantly bumping up at capacity blocks. So when I started hiring, you know, for me, that was the main thing was just the culture fit of the work ethic and willingness to do whatever it's going to take to get the job done. Also being really good on the pressure, being able to show up even when things get, you know, it's easy for Americans sometimes to throw little tantrums if they don't get their way or if they get put on a pressure or if they get criticized by their boss. And a lot of that drama that I found myself in the middle of, I just don't experience anymore as a CEO. And that is because the culture fit of what is expected of you when you're showing up doing the job is just, it's a much better fit for me working with people in the Philippines than it's ever been for people working in the US. And so that has been really big. And this idea about being resourceful is so true, Mel. Like I have had my VAs literally go and they will download a whole course online and study something because we're going to implement a new tech tool in the company. They are incredibly resourceful in finding things out. Like if they don't know how to do something, they usually will not ask me. They literally go on Google first. And that's just built into them in a way that I find just amazing. Obviously, you don't want people spinning their wheels out there searching at infinite, but it's really helpful to have people be resourceful and looking for answers for themselves and applying that to the business. So I really want to thank you both for stepping in here and having this conversation. I think this was really eye-opening. I hope it's really eye-opening for you guys listening. And I just think that, you know, you get to listen to me all the time, me talking about these topics, but I think it's different when it comes directly from people who are VAs in the Philippines than me talking about it. So thank you guys both so much. Thank you, Matt. Thank you. Amazing call. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to the 7 Figure Freedom Podcast. I hope this episode sparked a shift in perspective to help you amplify your impact, income, and freedom. Schedule a call with me today. You'll find the scheduling link in the show notes to take the first step towards gaining clarity on how to bring your vision to life with more ease. 
I'm looking forward to reconnecting with you next week for more insights, inspiration, and innovation. Check the show notes for additional resources.